You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. There's a place here at the table. Your coats go by the door. You can kick your shoes off in that pile on the floor. I hope you wore elastic because your waistband's going to get tight. Take time. guys, I'm Sophie. And I'm Ari, and you're listening to Having a Night, the podcast dedicated to reviving the lost art of the dinner party. Uh, that's me slowly <laughs> descending and melting into this heat bubble. Oh, I'm just crisping. It's brutal up. in the yeah. Northeast right now. Brutal. Especially NYC, window units only. I mean, I know some people don't have window units, but I do, and they're so ugly and so loud. I'm like, don't even cool my apartment. No, they don't do enough. Well, that was a really great episode, guys. Stay yep, cool Thanks out so much there. for listening. Yep. And uh, window <laughs> units suck. <laughs> oh, so you are in Maine. I am in Maine. So I am riding out the heat wave, not in New York City with my air conditioning units, but in a town very close to Portland. We're staying at our friend's parents' house, which is so nice. Our friend Liz. Hey, Liz. What up, Liz? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're staying at her parents' house, and it's great. I mean, we're mostly eating a lot of oysters and lobster rolls and um, going in very cold water to mitigate the effects of the heat. That sounds so incredible right now. I'm kind of seething with jealousy. It's been very nice. Can you talk to me about the best lobster roll you've had and why? Wow. Well, let me talk to you about the fact that we waited for 45 minutes at this place called Red's Eats. It's like the most famous lobster roll in Maine. The oh, traffic going into and coming out of this town is crazy. It's the middle of a heat wave. We get in line. We're looking at the line. We're like, It'll be 20 minutes. It'll be fine. 45 minutes later, we're still in line. We looked at each other and we were like, fuck this. No lobster roll is worth this much waiting. <laughs> we were just seething with anger. <laughs> so we left. And there was a beautiful bakery across the street and we like got sandwiches instead and stared at all the people in the line at Reds and we're like, you guys, what idiots after yeah. having waited for 45 minutes and not even getting a lobster roll. So that might be the best, but I haven't had it. <laughs> um, I keep on hearing bite into Maine is really the best and it's a yeah, truck. I think I went there too. Uh, we parked <laughs> yesterday at Jay's Oyster, which is a place so, that Ari and I have had a fantastic meal together in Portland love that place. on the water. I love a place that's divey but has amazing food. Me too. The be- it could be yeah. the best kind of place. So yeah, but uh, I mean, I intend to keep eating eating my way through through the lobster rolls of Maine. So I'll let you know if I have any updates. Where did when but, we went on that road trip? Where did we get that one lobster roll that was round? Uh, mm-hmm. Was it in we, Kennebunkport? Exactly in Kennebunkport. That was so good. You guys, it was on like a it was like on a bun, like a hamburger bun. It was don't worry, circular. it was still a potato roll. Yeah. We don't want you guys to think that it wasn't a potato roll. It was just a different shape. 
Yes, I've never had it on that shape. And maybe because of the shape, but it was absolutely life-changing. It was also our first stop in Maine. So we were so happy to have gotten there. Yeah. And it's, I mean, to kind of bug point is it's cute to the point, like it's cute to the point of pain. It's so adorable. Yeah. But very touristy. Yes, exactly. What did you eat this week? I'm ashamed to say this, but for the first time on Sunday, Saturday, Saturday night, I grilled a whole fish this summer. First time this summer, not the first time ever, obviously. So it was so good. Uh, It was a whole snapper. It was so good, Sophie, that we did it again last night. Nice. So nice we did it twice. And you know, we did this green sauce that had, um, we took one from, uh, what's his face at Bon Appetit that had pistachios and prunes and lots of uh, herbs. Yeah. And you don't know that they're prunes. I guess you could do the same with currants, but prunes are softer. Mm -hmm. And you don't even know that it's pistachio. It's just like, I don't know, mixed with the vinegar, it's like sweet, sour, salty, fatty. It's everything. It's truly the sauce is everything. Yeah, just that on top of this fish. That sounds so good. It almost sounds like it sounds tagine-like in a way. I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. just because there's a nut and a dried fruit and and herbs. It's kind of Moroccan. Um, Yeah, that sounds delish. Now, talk to me for one second about grilling a whole fish because, boy, it's tough. It's tough not to get, not to accidentally leave all of the skin on the grill. So do you get it super hot and then oil your grill or like, what do you do? Or do you use a basket? Both. Sorry. If I have the basket, I'll use it. So a fish basket is- You guys need to see how intensely Ari is looking at me. If I have the basket, I'll use it. I'll use it. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's no shame in using a fish basket. You're not like a weak chef if you use a basket. The basket only makes your life easier. It's like a nonstick thing. If you've never seen one, it has a a big long handle and it clasps. It's like a cage and it's flat on both sides. So then you can just lift it up, flip it, and your whole fish is flipped. You don't have to worry about it sticking to the grill or falling apart as you like try and maneuver some three-pound fish with two spatulas, which is difficult. But yeah, get the grill really hot and oil it. I think it's got to be – I go – fast and hot with, with whole fish on the grill. It's no, yeah. it's not a low and slow mo- uh, moment. Oh, definitely not. Cause you want all that skin to crisp and also fish cook so quickly anyway, that if the grill is hot enough, it should be, mm-hmm. how like, long would you say? Like 15 minutes. Yeah. I was going to say like 12. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the size, of course, cause you could get a big guy. I'm glad you said that there's no shame in getting one of those fish baskets. Cause I agree, especially if you want to stuff your fish with lemon or herbs or anything, and then you're trying to flip it on a grill. It's like, say goodbye to anything that you stuffed yeah. it with, unless you got a yeah. fish basket. Yeah. Yeah. They're very good. And they also are great with asparagus or sliced vegetables. Mm-hmm. Cause you yeah. know, yeah. I hate when those asparagus falls through the grate. I hate that oh, so much. It's the worst feeling. And it's weird. It's crazy. It's like, you're always trying to put it perpendicular to the grates and yet somehow they end up completely parallel and all of your asparagus are gone. I know. Every time you go into it, you're like, I got this. I'm going to watch them. (laughs) This is going to be easy. They can only roll in one direction. Nope. Nope. They just want to get out of there. What else did you eat this week? Any other highlights that you can fill us in on? 
So yesterday we stopped by Central Provisions, which is a restaurant that people really love here that I've never been to, but they are doing like a tiki themed thing for the summer 2020 as in COVID summer. So the whole thing obviously is outside and it's like tiki style drinks and all of the food is sort of like, you know, Asian fusion-y, but very delicious. Yeah. I mean, there was just, there was a raw tuna dish with some shizo leaves and shizo leaves and mint, I want to say, maybe some Thai basil as well. And finally, sliced shallots. Now I'm getting into the weeds. I'm like, was there also some like (laughs) fried shallots? Like, I don't know, but it was so Mm. good. It was just really nice to have those flavors. Whoa, 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 whoa. I also had a virgin junior colada. Yeah, we ate there. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't so know it's that like, you were down with eating at restaurants outside. Whoa. Am I not supposed to be? Oh yeah. I'm down with eating at restaurants outside. I mean, I think, so they are doing, all of the tables are spaced at least six feet, mm-hmm. six feet mm-hmm. apart. Obviously you're at a big picnic table, but Harry and I were the only people at the picnic table. And then you order one place with your mask and then you pick mm-hmm. up another place with your mask. So it's not like- yeah you're not being served like a, at a sit down place. Yeah. But I feel okay as long as I'm outside and we're all wearing masks. I've read some stuff on Eater that like that servers in New York are like, well, we're wearing masks and then the patrons come and they sit down and they're not wearing masks. Right. And that people and that like servers have gotten infected from people not wearing masks, even though they're outside, which I'm like, oh, really God, so scary. Oh God. So is- scary. So I don't know. I feel like it's to just be really judicious about it thing. We're in Maine. There's very, very few cases here. You know, we came from a place where there were a few cases, so I don't feel super worried about it. But also I, you know, I'm still intent on obviously wearing masks and trying to be safe. Yeah. Oh, man. So that was the other thing that I ate. Uh, yeah, but I really, but I enjoyed it. It was very yummy. She's, oh, I love shiso. I think it's like one of the greatest herbs to walk the face of the earth. Yeah. But today we're talking about one of our favorite subjects, I would say, that we've never (laughs) done a podcast about. A subject we are very enthusiastic about, but perhaps not very knowledgeable about, but bear with us. (laughs) Bear with us. And I'd say we pretty much know nothing about this except for how much we love it, which is the raw bar. Yes. The humble oyster. Yep. The scallop ceviche. I mean, Ugh. the list goes on. But let's start with the oyster. Oh my God. You know, the great thing about oysters is you can have them <laughs> year r- round and they're like, it's summer. I'm like, oh, it's summer. I want oysters. In the middle of winter, I'm like, oh, I want oysters. I guess what I'm trying to say is there's always an occasion I want oysters and it's uh, daily. Yeah, I would say it's the best way to start any meal. They also could just be the whole meal. Yeah, so once again, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember the first oyster you ever had? I do. Oh my God, I do. I was in New Orleans. My mom was on tour, and I was a very adventurous eater, but oysters grossed me out, understandably. I was seven, and we went to... I don't know what the place was, but it was a place that was famous for having oysters. And we were doing like a big cast and crew dinner. And one of the bartenders was like, I'm going to make you an oyster that you're going to love. And he took a saltine and he put an oyster on it. And I think he put like a drop or two of Tabasco on Uh and I ate it. And it, 
I mean, that was it. It changed my life. I was like, that's the most delicious thing I've ever had. (laughs) It was so good. Um, What is that with saltines and like oyster crackers? Like salty crackery things are great with seafood. You ever notice that? Really are. Have I ever noticed that? I mean, (laughs) oh, give me a give me a packet of oyster crackers and and goodbye. Um, What was the first oyster you ever had? I truly don't remember. Maybe my parents would remember, but I I feel like I've been eating them for a long time. I don't remember having a moment of like, ew, I don't like that. I do remember learning to shuck oysters. I feel like in college, it was so, it's so satisfying. And it's one of those things like when you're good at it, it's such a nice party trick. Yes, I agree. I mean, I only really started doing oysters at home like a few years ago, I'm embarrassed to say. I think that's one thing that we should talk about with the raw bar is like, I do think that it's a very intimidating thing for people to serve raw seafood at home. Yes. But in fact, oysters are so easy and exactly, it is kind of a party trick because suddenly you're sitting there with fresh oysters. Oh, it feels so special. Yes, it does. But how do you, because I often have the problem when I check oysters at home, so first of all, you got to get a great oyster checker. You got to get a great glove because you will pierce yourself if you're not wearing a glove. Say goodbye to your hand. But I always feel like once I shuck them, they're kind of there's like pieces of dirt. There's like debris yeah. floating inside. Yeah. So I wonder what the trick is. I wonder if it's like you need to take a toothbrush and like brush the outside. I mean, Possibly. you definitely need to rinse them in water. Yes, and I think that you have to rinse them in salt water. I think like they will. Right? They're not fresh water. They will so, die in, in fresh water. So I think if you're about to shuck them, it's fine to rinse them in fresh water because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the water's not going into the, you know, exactly. Like the water's not going in. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like that little area, the hinge where you actually put in your shucker, mm-hmm. that is where I think a lot of the dirt comes from because it's like such a tight little hinge and it's just like blackened in there, understandably. Yeah. So I feel like if you could like scrub that a little bit, it might minimize the amount of debris that you get. Yeah, because you do, you know, when you go to a great uh, seafood restaurant and you see like the oyster shucking area and it's so pristine and it's just like stacks of these jewels and they're yeah. so clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, there must be some kind of scrubbing involved. So do that if you've got extra time. Otherwise, you're just going to have to live with little grit. I think- Besides the knife, yes. Besides the knife and the glove, I always like to have many rags. It's messy. It's messy. It's also, it's nice. I mean, if you have like a fire escape or a porch, kind of better to do it out there or just do them outdoors in general. But because things kind of fly and there's going to be some like oyster jus on the floor, which we will talk about later. But I like to bring rags because I'm constantly cleaning off the knife. Same. Yeah. To try, you definitely yeah, need if a lot gets of rags outside the knife. Then it's going to go in inside the oyster. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you also cut the area, cut the tendon between the oyster and the shell? Yes. Me too. So you, you also need to. to clean your glove for that. You do have to, but I think a lazy shucker, a lazy fucker shucker, a mo- shucker yeah, fucker, a lazy mother would shucker, maybe, mother shucker exactly would yeah. maybe not. So let's talk about types of oysters. I get intimidated with oysters, even though I love them so much, like I do with wine. Or sometimes I'm like, I don't know what any of these are. I've gotten better because there are clearly fewer types of oysters available to me living on the Northeast coast than there are globally, or than there are wines too. But it's still, when you're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what any of these 
like Fannie Bay, Kumamoto, Belong. Yeah. Ari just sent me a very helpful article from Food and Wine about the fact that there are only really five strains of oysters that you're going to eat in America. There's like Mm -hmm. 48 strains worldwide, but only five of them are actually in America. So in reality, like the brands that you're buying, the names that you're buying, what makes, what differentiates them could be the type, but it could also just be the, like the water that it's in. It is. It's, you're right. It's all about the water, how salty it is, how warm it is. And and I think what else is growing there, what the algae is like. And they say that, you know, an oyster in an oyster bed in one spot could taste completely different than one 15 feet away. Yeah. So you think about terroir with wine and with oysters, it's called miroir. Whoa. Yeah. I did not know that. That's amazing. Isn't that cool? Miroir. But That's I think it's so cool. I don't know if it's a real term or something that chefs have like someone or a food critic or writer made up. I don't know. 10, 20 years ago, but that is the nomenclature. I love it. Wait, so, okay. Describe to me your ideal oyster. It's okay. salinity, creamy. Is it deep? Is it shallow? Is it wide? Is it small? Is it big? Gimme, gimme. Okay, I like a deep cup. Me too, deep cup. Uh, yeah, or as they say, I think reserve cup, which can be more expensive and usually is smaller. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's the same with oysters as like lobster, where like smaller is usually sweeter. Mm. But I do tend to like the littler ones, and those are usually Pacific Coast, so they're more expensive over here because you've got to fly them over, which is unfortunate. But those are like Kumamoto's and Olympia's, and they're deep and they're they're creamy and salty. I like a little of both, column A, column B. You know, I want it to like be a little meaty and to have a little bit of, yeah, just like a roundness to it, but also have like some acidity. There are other times I want just like salt and just like the flavor of the ocean and no creaminess. Mm -hmm. But I'd say if I had to choose one, I'd like to get some cream in there. What about you? (laughs) I'm exactly the same. I have basically nothing to add. Kumamoto's I think are my favorite. Kumamoto's are my favorite oyster that I can actually name. They're tiny, but they're so satisfying and so good. I agree with you on the creaminess factor. It's got to be briny. I don't love an oyster that's just creamy. I one time went to a stupid fancy sushi restaurant in LA that was a bunch of white guys behind the sushi counter who washed an oyster in plain water. They spilled out its brine and then rinsed the oyster and gave it to me. And I was like, what? Like me? I mean- I don't know. I'm like, maybe if you if you just dabbed it with a paper towel, that wouldn't be insulting. But to maybe it was dump so the brine and wash it, it's it was pointless. very strange. And then it also just tasted like nothing. Right. Um, the whole point is like you are tasting the seawater from that region. It's so good. Oh, God, I love oysters. I think we might go and have oysters after this. I got to tell you. I, please do. I also will say that another thing I hate to watch is when people just shoot it and don't even like taste it or chew it. Like it's oh, not you a competition. just like swallow the whole thing? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, a very weird. You would like, you should enjoy the $3.50 thing you just, you know, slurp down. You need yeah. to like chew it a little bit and let it burst and let, and just actually taste it, you fool. Yeah. You fool. Yeah. Your, your mother shucker. Um, I, so part of what Ari was sending me was also a thing about, uh, in those five types, one of the types was Belon, Mm -hmm. which is apparently a very controversial oyster 
but I always felt like they were sort of the most classic oysters. So they're actually a very shallow cup, very wide. Mm-hmm. You can really tell what they are by their shell. They're very beautiful. I guess they're if they're called if they're actually Bailon, they're from a specific region in Brittany and France. Mm-hmm. But they also grow the same type here. Mm-hmm. This article was like eight out of ten people will spit out a Bailon if they try it. But the other two will Yikes. be obsessed. Not but my friends. I, yeah. Yeah. I always thought they were kind of like what, one of the more, maybe it's because they're French. So they're like a very classic form mm-hmm. of oyster. But I think, I'm, I guess I'm those two out of 10. I'm the 20%. That's well, right. I, I'm the same way. We are those two people. But I, you know what? I love gamey, briny. I love any strong, funky flavor. Same. In, in general. What do you like to put on an oyster? Lemon. That's basically it. Often nothing. Sometimes I like to taste a mignonette. But so I like to taste mignonette if I'm eating a lot of oysters and I like add some mignonette to one just to like taste the combo. But sure. really I like to taste the oyster. And then sometimes I'll dip like a cracker in the mignonette and have that as a little side. Oh, I love that. What do you put on yours? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I like to dab a little mignonette, mignonette like a drop. Exactly. But I think it's so nice to taste it naked. Me too. I'm not really, I think cocktails and Tabasco is like a good gateway to like get into oysters, but like not great if you actually want to enjoy it, the oysters that you're spending so much money on. You should put lemon on right before you eat it because often, and I'm guilty of this, the oysters come out and I just squeeze lemon all over all of them, but they, they can cook so fast or just it can alter the flavor the longer it sits with that acidity, like the way you make ceviche or, you know. So That's you so shouldn't, true. don't pre-lemon too much. Yeah, squeeze a la minute. Whoa. I, that Because uh, I actually am that exact person who as soon as they come, I grab the lemon and I'm like, lemon, like, everybody. Make it rain. <laughs> don't even give the person an option to say, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, from now on. I'm not going to be that asshole anymore. Okay. I just learned, and I find this very upsetting. So this is a real PSA. Apparently, each person has like an allotted number of oysters that they are able to eat in their lifetime. So for some people, it might be 10,000 oysters and like you can eat 10,000 oysters and never get sick. For other people, it's like 600. And once you hit that 601st oyster, it's like you've had a bad oyster. So your body reacts as if it got (gasps) food poisoning from an oyster and you can you will always get sick from oysters from that day forward. Wait, I literally feel like I'm like telling a- you a ghost story from around <laughs> yes, the campfire. I'm like, exactly. and from that day forward, she could never eat oysters. <laughs> That's exactly what it sounds like. I don't believe you. What is this? Cite your source. So my friend, our friend Cricket, who we've, who we, you know, yeah, are in like a quarantine pod with, exactly who you know from our wedding. Um, she was allergic to one kind of shellfish and her doctor, her allergist special was like, listen, if you really enjoy oysters, you should, instead of ordering like 12 oysters or six oysters, you should just have a couple every time because if you're already allergic to this shellfish, then the chances of the number of oysters that you can eat in your life is probably quite low. And apparently Mm -hmm. that, and Harry was like, oh yeah, my like grand uncle used to eat, you know, he's like one of these people who like had a dozen oysters every single day for the first 86 years of his life. And then one day could never eat another oyster. So his that number is, was very high. I guess crickets is maybe lower. Isn't that wild? That is wild and sad. I guess huh. what's good about it is that once you've had that experience, like you don't want them anymore. It's not as if you're sitting there being like, I want them, but I can't have them. I think you're like, oh, 
I now find them repulsive. Yeah. God, that's that so strange. I wonder why. I wonder if it's what it is about shellfish that your body I, is like, nope, enough. Yeah. I wonder if there's an enzyme or something. I mean, as you guys know, Ari and I are not, we're not big scientists, so no. we could guess for hours. Yes. Oh, here's a good question for you though. What other forms do you eat your oysters in other than raw? Oh, yes, of course. I don't love a cooked oyster, but I would love to be proven wrong. I've had some grilled oysters that have blown my mind. Grand Central Oyster Bar, which is, in my opinion, the best oyster bar in the world, mm-hmm. has does an oyster pot roast that it's very famous for. That It's not my style. Like I'd always go raw oyster over oyster uh-huh. pot roast, but it's definitely an interesting way, a different way to taste an oyster. This does not count as fully cooked, but I once went to a wedding where they were shucking oysters and then putting them on like a hot stone. Yeah. So that, like yeah. pre-steamed. They steamed yeah. a little bit. And I thought that just kind of brought out the creaminess a little bit yeah. more. That was nice. I think as long as you keep it simple. Oh, also, well, oysters are so cool because they're also an insane filtration system. So right. oysters, so first of all, New York, there's a street in New York called Pearl Street because the entire thing used to be covered in oyster shells because New York was like eating pounds and pounds of oysters every single day. And I guess then we depleted the number of oysters, like the number of oyster beds, of course, because humans ruin everything. But um, New York Restoration Project, Mm -hmm. the charity that my mom started and that I'm involved with is doing this project called The Living Shoreline that's all about restoring biodiversity to an area of the Harlem River um, near Sherman Creek. And so restoring biodiversity, so we're creating these oyster castles, which not only bring oysters, which filter the water, but also act as stopping the waves. So it Mm. also prevents erosion. And basically all of these cities nowadays are building these seawalls because as the sea levels are rising and, you know, the threat of basically these cities being submerged underwater continues to mount. Yes. um, building these living shorelines is actually much more effective. And it's not like a one and done solution. It's sort of a longer, more protracted experience, but is so much better for the earth and so much better for biodiversity of the climate and like bringing back marshlands. So it's very cool. And I'm, I'm just so excited <laughs> about oysters. That's fantastic. They're also, you can eat oysters. them because they're, yeah, they're, inc- uh, they're so sustainable, right? They're like, yeah. they're just good for everyone. They're good for the ecosystem. They're good for you. Like they're incredibly mm-hmm. healthy. Go oysters. I will say a close relative of oysters and possibly the only raw thing I do not like. I mean, I'll eat anything, anything that can a be served clam? raw, I will eat raw. Yeah. I hate a raw clam. You hate, so I definitely wouldn't say like I get pumped about a raw clam. If you were like, we're having raw clams, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, oh my God. But like, (laughs) if there's like four on a platter, I'll definitely eat them. Huh? But you think, do they gross you out? I just feel like they're so chewy. I feel like I'm just having clam gum. Like, are you just Mm. supposed to swallow them after a while? I just feel like they (laughs) never break down. And there's not a lot of juice in there. It's just like kind of a big meaty, uh, yeah, like a piece of gum. Inside but of do you shell. like do you like like spaghetti alla vongole? Like do you like a cooked clam? Oh, I like a cooked clam. I love a cooked okay. clam. It's just raw. You're not a big fan. It's just raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if anybody's ever tried a mussel raw. Why don't you ever see those? I was just thinking that. Maybe I don't know. I guess they're I mean, not probably for good reason. Yeah. 
Do you know that clams have two like valves and oysters only have one? So if you're shucking a clam, you need like a completely different knife Ooh. and a, it's a whole different skill. Well, yeah, the clam, you got to pull off that little like brown thingy. Well, clams basically- well, That's a steamer, which, which I do love. Wait, no, don't they both have two? Mm-mm. Another valve. No, maybe Oh yeah, but like regular clams on like a raw bar don't have that brown thing. It's just like a little ah. pink guy in there. A steamer is a thing that has that like tail that you have to kind of right. take off, which, and that's just, a, I believe a different species of clam. They're I'm also just like, isn't it crazy to think about how these things reproduce? I think yeah. they all just, re, they just like reproduce themselves, right? There's no I mating. Don't. There, I feel like there is some kind of fertilization, but it's not like one clam hops on another one. <laughs> Giddy up. There, but um, I was watching a YouTube video. I think it was a, a Munchies video. Shout out to Alana Shulman, who used to work there. But it, uh, they had like, uh, they went to an oyster farm, a huge oyster farm somewhere. And it's like a, a lab and they have all these tubes of different, you can't see anything because baby oysters are like just absolutely minuscule. But they're, yeah, they're mixing things and then they they kind of uh, grow or incubate for a while in the lab. And then they, when they're as big as a fleck of uh, um, pepper, black pepper, then they oh go out God. into the water. Wow. Well, it's yeah. interesting because I was just looking up, I was trying to research about the oyster castles that NYRP is putting into this project. And I guess they use a particular form of concrete that like attracts bivalves. I was like, wait, but what happens when you, and I guess that's what happens is like it, those flecks are then attracted to it and land on it. I mean, I'm totally spouting bullshit, but I think that must be how it works. And they'll just keep reproducing there, whatever, multiplying. It's so, so cool. What's your ideal raw bar situation? What else is on it? We have oysters. There's no clams. But there can be some clams. You can eat them. Um, shrimp. I want yeah, some. Sorry, guys. When we say raw bar, we mean we're talking chilled seafood. Doesn't have to be totally raw. Yeah, but if we want to like, start with all the raw things, we can go through it. But there's also chilled shrimp on it for sure. Yes. Oh, but like, duh. I love a, a raw scallop, like sliced mm-hmm. really thin. I love what's like second tier, maybe third tier of the raw bar, depending on how fancy you are. You have like a beautiful shell with like a ceviche, like placed on top of it. Oh, ex- I'm seeing it in my head. It's You're having beautiful. like more, yeah, more um, composed seafood dishes. Yeah. Um, maybe like a little octopus salad situation. I like when mm. things might like get a little Japanese inspired. It's so, so delicious. I like some lobster on there. If I'm like really throwing down maybe some caviar. Oh yeah. Oof, 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 oof. Oh my God. How could I forget? My favorite is like some... First of all, stone crab, if you can ever get it, it's so expensive. It's so good. But like some stone crab claws are maybe my favorite food. Some of my favorite food So funny. Food ever. I'm not a big stone crab person. Oh. I find it's it's not worth, the juice isn't worth the squeeze for me. I feel like those, those claws, they are holding on for dear life. They're so, it's so hard for me to get any meat out of them. And then I feel like the meat, it, it's very watery to me. Yeah. Well, they're also really hard to get good ones. Mm. Like, I feel like you get bad stone crab and it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's watery and it, it, it like sticks to the thing inside the claw. What is that exactly. thing called? Like, like cartilage. Yeah. Yeah. No, you've got, yeah, it's, it's hard, but to find good ones, it's, it's similar to lobster, but more briny. No, I went to, um, Consol in France. I've, it's like a very tiny seaside town that's known for its seafood in 
uh, near Normandy. And I mean, it was unbelievable. We stayed in this hotel, this tiny little hotel and outside right on the ocean, it was all oyster beds and the tide. I've never seen tide like this. Um, it goes out so far that all the boats are just like sitting on the, on the beach almost. And you're like, what the hell's going on? And you just see oyster beds, like an acre or more of oyster beds. And then the water rushes in and all the boats float up again. But that's how everyone, I have pictures, I'll, I'll post them, but but we went to this restaurant. Like you can just have, order any seafood you want there, and it's not, and it's just fresh. It's not. I feel like here you have to go to like a Cajun place, or it's like, it's a thing. But you, I just ordered like a whole crab, like a Dungeness crab, and they were like, "Okay, here you go," wow. with like bread and butter, and I don't maybe a mignonette. But they, it was unbelievable. Oh gosh, I get so hungry when you talk like that. That sounds <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Uh, also a soft shell crab. I mean, it's not, we're not talking yeah. raw bar now I'm just on a crab reverie, but have you made soft shell crabs at home? No, me neither. But I'm like, let's they can't be that hard. No. Or maybe they are. I don't know. Um, where do you stand on an uni shooter? Uh, I stand strong. Yeah. I stand for, a I stand, <laughs> I stand for a stand for the uni shooter. Yeah. Yes. What would you put on that uni in that uni shooter? Ooh, I don't know. Maybe if I'm going on this Japanese theme, like maybe like a couple pieces of like wasabi tobiko or something. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah, I was like going to say pop. like a tiny bit of wasabi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a wasabi tobiko. How do they get that wasabi tobiko though to be wasabi tobiko? I've mm. looked this up so many times. I think it might be all artificial. Yeah, like I think it is. Like a dip and dot. Ooh, don't worry, guys. There's an episode on dip and dots coming. Ari <laughs> texted <laughs> It's like, I don't know if I'm still asleep, but don't you think we should do an episode about Dippin' Dots? Like, I was, <laughs> I was so like, out of it. Maybe we can do an like, episode yeah. about ice cream, but <laughs> with a section, on, a hefty section on Dippin' Dots. I love a Dippin' Dot. Yeah. But I only like them if they're mint chocolate chip flavored. I'm not interested in the other flavors. Oh, there's a banana Fair flavor, enough. actually, that I can get behind. Wow. You seem to know I'm a lot about Dippin' Dots. <laughs> so what else is on your raw bar? Besides the- so I'm into all of this. I'm into, we actually, um, our friend Nick made a scallop crudo the other day that I then copied, which as you were saying, very thinly sliced scallop, maybe thinly sliced jalapeno. You could do some mm-hmm. chive. You could do mm-hmm. cilantro, olive oil, mm. lime juice. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, it may be like if you were one of those people who, which I would like to become one of these people who like has a squeezy bottle and like gets little perfect droplets of yes. olive oil all over instead of it just being a splatter. That might be nice. See, um, there is a point to those little squeezy bottles. It's not just so you can pr- pretend to be a fancy chef. It's to get the correct amount of oil. Yeah. And for it to like look nicer. I mean, so yeah. often I cook something and I'm like, wow, this tastes so good, but it doesn't look so nice. So that might be, that might be cool. Oh, okay. I was thinking about ceviche and I do love ceviche, but you know what I love even more than ceviche? And I didn't even know the name for it, but now I do, mm-hmm. is called cocoda, which is Fijian coconut milk ceviche. Yes. Because I often find ceviche like a little too purely acidic for me. And this is like a ceviche where they add some coconut milk. I've had that. Yeah. To make it, to balance out the acidity with cream. Whoa. So ceviche, I'm sure you guys know this, but basically it means that you're quote unquote cooking the fish in an acid. So you could do it in 
a vinegar, or you could do it in lime juice, which is the traditional Peruvian way of doing it. And then you add whatever else you want. You could add spicy peppers. You could add like jalapeno or, you know, a very, very finely chopped scotch bonnet, although that might knock your socks off. You could add avocado. Some people add like a red pepper, like a bell pepper, which no, thank you. Um, Yeah. Cilantro, any kind of herb, very finely cut shallot. But the point is- starving. Me too. Oh. Yeah, we gotta we gotta cut this short. Um, we have to yeah, do like a ceviche, and then mix it in with a little bit of coconut milk so that it has some creaminess. Imagine that on like on a tostada. That sounds incredible. Wow. Wow. Degree. Maybe like with some crumbled like fried plantain somewhere. Whoa. Whoa. She's yeah. nuts. She or, has lost it. Or some like um, mortar and Crumble. pestle peanuts. Crumble. Ooh, yes. Right? Sure. Wow. 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 Well, on that note. Okay. We're we're doing shrimp, obviously, with cocktail sauce. P.S. We Mm -hmm. made cocktail sauce at home the other day. It's very easy. Highly recommend. What is it? Horseradish? It's like horseradish, ketchup. Maybe there's like another acidic ingredient. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But that's it. Nice. Oh, I'm never buying cocktail sauce again. Actually, I don't think I ever have bought cocktail sauce, but. Can I tell you something that's really good that we always make in my family for either shrimp or stone crab or crab cakes? You take some cocktail sauce and some mayo and Mm. some curry powder. (gasps) Yum. I love a curry mayo. I love a curry mayo. Yeah. It's like a curry mayo, but just like a little bit of cocktail sauce just gives it like a seafood edge. Wait, let's talk for a second about tartar sauce because I love tartar sauce. Me too. I mean, it's really for a for a deep fried situation, but I don't know. I could get in with it into it with like a, actually with a crab claw. Oh yeah, and you know what? I had some bad tartar sauce the other day, and I realized they were probably using Miracle Whip as the base. Like you got to use good mayo if you're making tartar sauce. Come on, you got to do. You got to listen to having a night. Yeah. To learn about what kind Let's of mayo you should be using. There's a condiments episode. Please listen. Yep. Ooh, but we should um, do a fish sandwich episode. I love a good fish sandwich. Me Truly. too. Me. All the fish sandwiches. Too. Get more into lobster rolls. Okay. Wait. Any other big raw bar things that we want to round this out with? The cracker, the baguette. I love a piece mm-hmm. of very crusty bread with really good butter on the side. Like that's exactly. the perfect Bread, butter, raw seafood. It's like per- truly my favorite summer meal. Yeah. Well, here's my only issue with that being my meal, because I often feel exactly the same, is I always want a vegetable component and I can never figure out what the vegetable component is for a, mm. a, to accompany a raw bar. Mm. I guess like just a green salad. Yeah. It has like something a really cold. leafy. Yeah. Ooh, or like just a cold steamed asparagus. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That would be right? good. I love that. That sounds very French. But you know what? If you were feeling like mm, really hungry... You could do. You could start with like a wedge salad with like blue oh, cheese and, and bacon. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. You know. You have any other favorite raw bar restaurants? Maison Premier in Brooklyn is probably my favorite. It's so beautiful. The bar is so lovely. It just feels like such a such a special occasion. Just going there for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Mermaid Inn. Oh, have yes. now a number of locations, but they do a very, very good raw bar. They really oh, I do. I had one more question for you about oysters. When you do them, I always have the problem of presentation because they got to be on ice or something. I guess you could put them on salt, but like that's a 
lot of salt that you're going to use. I mean, you would literally use like a full thing of kosher salt to, yes. to create a bed. Ice is a problem because I always want it to be, um, crushed ice. you know, like crushed ice. So I guess you can just take it outside, wrap it up in a towel and just hammer away. I just feel like it never gets to that crushed consistently that you want. You want like snow cone. Yeah. Well, like I'm so going to sculpt do? this. I mean, usually it's a, unfortunately it's an afterthought, but you can Same. buy crushed ice. So I think if you can just, it'll make your life easier trying to crush to that level. I feel like we always have oysters, um, New Year's Eve and Christmas and it's always, someone forgets about the ice and then someone else is banging the ice. It's, you want it all also to happen at the same time. So it's a very yeah. loud and messy affair because the ice is going to melt if it's out too long and you can't re if you freeze it again after it's been crushed, then it's going to be one clump. You just need something that you can mold so that the oyster uh, liqueur does not spill out. That is exactly it. That's why I think salt might be better. Yeah. Maybe salt is best. It's a lot of salt. But salt's not, salt is inexpensive. You can find very cheap salt. Yeah. Don't use your good salt. No. All right. Well guys, if you, uh, if you have any thoughts about robbers, let us know. Oh, um, we're back with chip hour now. Yes. Which is very exciting. So yes. come yes. find us Wednesdays at six on Instagram live. Our That's handle right. is having a night. And thank you, Colin, Rebecca, all of our listeners. Stay cool during this heat wave if you're experiencing it like we are and go eat some delicious raw seafood. You won't regret it unless you have an allergy. <laughs>